O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Turn, if you would, to page 392 in the Pew Bibles in front of you or in your own Bible to Psalm 63, which was our psalm for this morning. O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. There is a sense here and also in verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches meaning the very early watches of the morning. The Septuagint translates the Hebrew word here as the period relatively early in the morning, dawn, early morning. The Coverdale translation in our prayer book reads, Have I not remembered thee in my bed and thought upon thee when I was waking? What's the implication here? The very first thought of our morning Indeed, when we even first open our eyes and wake up, should be of our triune God. Is it any surprise that the church has from her very foundation always prayed daily, morning and evening? Our church in the English Catholic tradition continues that good beginning, and we continue that here every morning Uh, Monday through Friday, with prayer in the morning. The question for all of us is how do we do in keeping that practice? If you can't actually be at a church that is praying the morning office, you can, of course, keep the office by yourself or with your family. Yes, incredibly hard to do. Please don't misunderstand me. I understand that by yourself is actually harder than in community. And by the way, there's no end of options online in our worldwide web of praying the office with helps. So many of those you can pray with a church if it's recorded or maybe it's a live streamed or a ministry that is doing so um, or apps that will switch up everything and make sure that you're in line and doing it. But please be careful. Be wary of which office you're praying. Uh, But there are good options for the traditional 1928 BCP that we have and that you know. Looking at the next verse I quoted at the start of this sermon, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Father Reardon notes that communion with God is the goal of all prayer. Communion communion with God is the goal of all prayer, no matter how elementary, pedestrian, or dry. He continues regarding this psalm in particular. This psalm, in fact, speaks of the soul's sense of dryness, even as it aspires to divine union. We've all been there. We've had dry times of prayer where... The emotions aren't there. Sometimes you maybe finish and go, golly, I don't know, God, I don't know what happened just then. And sometimes we don't feel it, but we will it. And that's still prayer. As Father Reardon reminds us, it's a pursuit of union with God. So when we feel a dryness, Instead of fullness, instead of joy, instead of positive emotions, that is not the time to give up. God hears our prayers 
no matter our emotional or even our spiritual state. It might be helpful to look at the context of this psalm at this point. The Pew Bibles include the traditional ascription at the top of the psalm, in this case, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So we know that this psalm was written by King David, and there are a few times when David was thus hiding, either when he was hiding from Saul in the wilderness of Ziph, which lay sufficiently near the borders of Edom to be called indifferently of Judah and of Idumea, or as in the flight from Absalom and Absalom's coup. Either way, David was in trouble in both instances. One can start to imagine more fully the front end of the psalm, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. In verse 2, David writes, so I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. This is the place to find God in his temple, in his sanctuary. Yet David is cut off from the sanctuary. And Father Neal argues that this makes a good point in favor of this episode being during the coup of Absalom, David's son. He says the reference in the third verse to previous access to the sanctuary, which fits in with David's parting from the ark, saying, carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the sight of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. For David, the sanctuary was represented by the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, which usually would have been in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, which in David's time was still a portable sanctuary. Solomon, David's son, builds the permanent temple for the Ark, but generally the Ark was residing in Jerusalem in David's day. It is interesting to note that a physical space and a physical inanimate object is that to which David is referring. We're a little bit in modern American Christian culture, particularly in the Protestant end of it, people are a little bit unnerved by talking about holy space and holy things. But that's exactly what David is referring to. Not that he wants to worship the Ark of the Covenant. Don't get David wrong. He wants to find union and communion with God Almighty. The space and place of the ark, however, are important parts of that union and communion. And he's been cut off by the sin of his son. The obvious application is to remember how we cut off ourselves from union with God by our own sin. Many contemporary Christians would note that we don't have to worry about being cut off from a sanctuary. We don't need to go to a place to find God. We can just pray and ask forgiveness of God in our hearts or maybe in our heads or, and we are forgiven and we can move forward. Not so fast. I'm not saying that we cannot ask and receive forgiveness of God in our hearts. Uh, and I think David would agree as well. But note the heartache of the psalm. Do we feel that, do we feel that heartache if we are cut off from this sanctuary? If we can't come to the holy space where we have holy things, where we worship God. I think that uh, we can think back not too many years ago uh, with that thing that we call the COVID episode. That has shown us that there is great heartache indeed all over our land by being cut off from the sanctuary. 
There is application of this language of David and his plight for the church. Father Neil quotes two early saints on verse 2 of David's psalm. The world is desert because the saints dwell not therein, since they are not of it. It is pathless because it knows not Christ, who is the way. It hath no water because the fountain of grace for cleansing is not there in the world. Evil is the desert and horrible and to be feared. And nevertheless, God hath pitied us and hath made a way in the desert. Himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. And hath made to us a consolation in the desert in sending to us preachers of his word. And hath given given unto us water in the desert by fulfilling with his Holy Spirit, his preachers, in order that there might be created in them a well of water springing up into life everlasting. And lo, we have here all things, but they are not of the desert. They are of God's holy place and his holy space, which he has scattered all over the world. Yes, you can find forgiveness of God without coming into the church. Yes, God can strengthen you and fill you, but this is the normal place unto which we come to be fulfilled, to meet Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to move forward. So it's not an either or, it's a this is the norm. And if you're David and you're cut off and you can't come, then your heart is crying out to be back at the altar rail to be back singing the praises of God, to be back hearing his word in the communion and fellowship of the saints. In making application in his day, St. Athanasius takes it literally of those compelled to fly to the desert because of their religion and longing there for the solemn services of the church. And of course, Athanasius spent most of his episcopate exactly in the desert, hiding from the imperial troops who are trying to capture and or kill him. This hunger for God which David is expressing in this psalm is perhaps obvious to many of us, though the world would deny it. Says one commentator, this natural inbuilt longing within the human heart to know, praise, and be united with God is that of which St. Augustine spoke in the famous line in the beginning of his confessions, quote, You move us to delight in praising you, for you have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And those who seek the Lord will praise him, for those who seek will find him, and those who find him shall praise him. Let me seek you, Lord, in calling upon you, and call upon you in believing in you. Our commentator continues, noting that just as the Holy Spirit is the source of the church's faith and her charity, so is he the fountain of her hope. And that hope seems so easily destroyed in our present day, doesn't it? Says Father Reardon, the soul's spiritual enemies are ever-present, and they too are referenced when our psalm speaks of those who vainly seek my soul. 
those destined to be delivered to the hands of the sword and to become the portion of foxes. Yet David trusted and seemingly from his life retained his hope in his God. Even in the midst of running from his son who has betrayed him and seeks to slay him, David trusts in the Lord. Yes, we are called to the same trust and to the same hope. Yes, we and our families and our friends near and far face heartache and losses, defeats, loss of employment, loss of, and I mean, just fill in the list, right? The list of bad news can seemingly be endless. In the midst of it, God is there. Though we had a tiny taste of the loss of the sanctuary during the covid we have tasted nothing like many Christians around the world. In China, in all sorts of places. I mean, just read the news. That taste of the loss of sanctuary that some people live through most of their lives. The sanctuary, my friends, is here. The bread and the wine are here every week to be transformed by a miracle of the Holy Spirit into the body and blood of Jesus for us. The place of prayer is here. The holy space of this sanctuary has been set apart and blessed for holy use of prayer and praise and thanksgiving and feasting. Don't neglect the opportunity. Don't forget David's words. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. It is interesting to note that this psalm is traditionally appointed for matins on Sunday mornings, as Father Reardon notes, as the highest possible communion with God on this earth, earth, the Holy Eucharist, is the supreme fulfillment, this side of heaven, of the aspirations of Psalm 63. Amen.